I'll make a long story short. One time I was in a prayer meeting and we felt really led to pray for Nepali people in Dubai. And so we start praying. Um, months later, I get a message from a person I'm talking to. They say, yeah, I was living in Dubai. Uh, I met a Nepali man on the bus. He had a dream of Jesus. He got saved and he led his friend also to know the Lord. Uh, and it happened to be the same month that we prayed. Uh, and it's one of those times when you stop and you go, prayer really matters. And it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, in Manitoba praying for Dubai, or if I'm in Nepal praying for Winnipeg, you know, it's about hearing what God is saying and praying with him um, for radical changes in, in all across the world. And so, so we listen to his voice and then we pray accordingly and, and, sh- and stuff shifts and changes. This is the Burning Rooms podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms podcast. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we connect with the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have conversations, we share stories to strengthen your corporate and your personal prayer life. I am Johan. I'm Jehu. And I'm Jessica. So that was Cassia you heard in the introduction, and I love that introduction story. We had her on the phone, so the audio wasn't perfect, but I, I know she probably has many stories like that one where the Lord wanted her to partner in prayer on the mission field to help someone in, in different areas. And that's one of her best stories that she has in a book that she wrote that we'll talk about later. It's always a lot of fun and, and not uncommon for the Lord to bless us with these stories when we step out in obedience, not really knowing if our prayers are going to make a difference or not. So we have Jessica with us, one of, one of our favorite <laughs> hosts, Jessica, and she is also a missionary. She's been on the mission field in various places. Do you have some similar stories that you can share with us? Yeah, sure. Um, well, some One that comes to mind is I remember, so the first ever missions experience I had was I did as a part of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And I remember coming to kind of my one of my first training weeks and we would do intercession nights. And I remember... I think our speaker for that week or one of our leaders, he made the comment that he thinks that Christians should be the best at geography of any people in the world. And he was making the point of like, we need to be praying for the nations of the earth. And if we're not, who is? And I mean, this just started my fascination of just walking up to a world map and being like, what countries haven't I heard of? And with that, what countries have I never prayed for? Because if no one's praying for Yemen, like what's happening in Yemen, you know? And just if we really believe that prayer moves things, what a privilege that is and a high privilege. And I remember he, I think he segued from that to like, all right, so tonight we're praying for Uzbekistan. And you're like, I have never in my life given a second thought to Uzbekistan, never mind giving my time to pray for it. But the way they set it up was just we are going to go and do missions. We're going to train you up in that, but it's going to start in the place of prayer. And it's going to start in realizing what a privilege that is that we get to access closed nations in prayer. We get to access any nation on the earth that maybe you can't physically go to tomorrow or ever, but you get to pray for them. 
what? What a privilege. And so I think it's amazing in the story, Cassie, sure, that she saw the fruit on the other end. And I think most of the time we pray prayers in faith, not often having someone tap us on the shoulder and saying, I was the answer to your prayer. But I sure hope that there's people in Uzbekistan who love Jesus because we prayed for it that night five years ago. Um, but that's just one little example. But it started this love in me for, wow, we get to pray for the nations. That's amazing. And it's on God's heart. I don't think I've ever thought of doing that, looking at a map and asking, okay, God, what country do you want me to pray for? That's kind of a cool idea. I should probably try that with my kids. That might be fun. I haven't ever felt called to go to the mission, mission field myself. Like mm-hmm. I really feel called to Canada to be a prayer missionary. doesn't mean I'm not going to go anywhere ever. But I remember this one time, I just felt the Lord's heart for India. Like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, God just said, I want you to just start praying for India and keep praying for India until I tell you to stop praying for India. So that's kind of been the one country I pray for when I feel called to pray for the nations. When we have a prayer meeting about the nations, I'll pray for India. That's, That's my place. I don't know why. I don't know if I'll ever go there, but I just felt called to pray for India. Jehu, do you have anything to add? I remember uh, going down to Ahab when I was a lot younger. My family and I all went down on these trips where we would just get in the van and drive 14 hours straight to to Ahab, Kansas City. And it was just walking into the prayer room and seeing the world map they had on the back wall. uh, I think what really struck me was there would be people always there just praying. They would be just laying their hands on the wall, different spots. And I remember there would actually be areas that were kind of rubbed off. I don't know if they since repainted over it or how they kind of maintain it, but you could see the physical wear of people actually praying for specific nations, for specific cities, That's because so it was, beautiful. it was like worn down. And I remember, of course, Israel, which is just so <laughs> on the heart. Uh, like you, you could hardly even make out Israel or Jerusalem because it was just so covered in prayer. And so for me as a young person, that was, I was like, whoa, it's not just about my country or even my city, but it's about the whole earth that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's a powerful image. I really like that. Makes me want to get a world map and wear it out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I I find it interesting, like you went to Kansas City and that's kind of where you you found the heart for missions in, in that regard, where you saw a map and you saw people praying on a map. And historically, it feels to me like those that would stay and those that would go have kind of been at odds with one another. Mm. Like there's always that little bit of tension. It's like, why aren't you going? Oh, I'm a missionary. Right. That sort of thing. (laughs) Uh, So there's this story. Like it feels like the Lord is actually bringing these two together in recent years. Like over since the prayer movement has really emerged, the Lord has really been highlighting the two things and bringing them together, saying they're actually part of the same movement, which is really awesome. So while it feels unprecedented in this time in history, the Lord will often reveal times where he has done similar things like none more prevalent than the story of Count Zinzendorf. Jehu, I know you know that story. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a go here. So basically in uh, 1727, so a long time ago, there was this guy named Count Zindorf. And so he was a wealthy uh, German nobleman. And what he did was he really felt the Lord call him to 24-7 prayer. And so he committed his estate uh, to this prayer ministry. He renamed it Herrenhut, which means the watch of the Lord. And about 300 uh, believers moved there to his estate and they formed 
was called the Heron Hut Community. At that time, he gave up his uh, kind of position outside just to lead this new ministry, and they committed to pray around the clock. They did one-hour shifts, each one taking their turn during the day, during the night, taking real inspiration from Leviticus. The fire must be kept burning. It must not go out, Leviticus 6.13. In this prayer meeting, it continued nonstop for not just a couple weeks or a couple months. It was actually a hundred years, which when I heard that, I was like, there's there's no way they got 100 years. Like <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. And so, but that's, I mean, that's not even that recent in history. Like we know that's how long they kept praying for. Uh, it's not like this is thousands of years ago and we're not sure. Like we have records. This is, this is how mm-hmm. long they were praying for, which is crazy. And so from, from the prayer room at Heron Hut came this missionary zeal where they prayed. But then by 1776, over 200 missionaries had been sent out from the small community. Uh, they were the first Protestant intercessory missionaries. The idea that they were praying and then that prayer was fueling their missions. And so Zindorf became the leader of this missionary movement. He sent out his missionaries two by two, and they went to unreached people groups all across the earth. And as they were sent out, the prayer furnace back home in Hernhut, it, it covered them in prayer. It was this uh, this catalyst where they were being sent out and they were being covered. And really, this is what Count Zindorf saw as, as prayer and missions. He started a, a prayer movement and he ended up birthing a missions movement. And the two are really inseparable in the story and in the heart of God. So you said a hundred year prayer meeting and how many missionaries sent out? Uh, from what I remember reading, he had uh, about 200 missionaries were sent out from the small community. This is, this is a time with no airplanes. Yeah. yeah. 200 missionaries being sent out. Wow. That, that is absolutely crazy. I love that story. And I've heard this story before referenced in various expressions of the prayer movement. Like there's a few different streams in this one big stream. And it's wild that almost 300 years later, like there's a generation in which we are finding ourselves telling this story all over the place because they feel a deep connection to it all of a sudden. Like before the prayer movement, before I was in the prayer movement, I never heard of this story. And I don't think my parents who have been in ministry for many, many years, I don't think they've ever heard of this story because, well, they certainly have never told me about it. But the people in this current prayer and missions movement have this story and it's spreading rapidly. And now we're looking at the prayer movement that lasted a hundred years and saying, yeah, that makes sense. I find (laughs) this absolutely fascinating. Yeah. It's just fuel to the fire, right? So... If all these people are praying 24-7, like their hearts are going to be changed, right? And when you're a changed person, you that's gonna there's going to be an overflow to that. And to me that I want to go to those prayer meetings. Like I want to time travel, go back there and be like, what was happening? Like this was before prayer and missions was cool, guys. Like there was no one advertising this, making cool promo videos, 1700s, like did they even have heat in the building they were praying in, right? Like this is crazy to me. Um, But the Lord was meeting them and people were being changed. And because of that, people were being sent out and they had to go as a response. And I love that because you just see that all the time in the word too, right? People spend time with Jesus and then they're they're sent out. There's just a real flow to that. Um, So it just, it feels so biblical. And then the fact that this was happening you know, hundreds of years ago. And then the fact that you can look around and you see it happening today, it just, it's just obviously God's heart. Yeah. I I really reminded of a quote from John Piper. He talks about uh, missions and worship and he says that missions exist because worship doesn't. And it's the idea that the goal of missions or of the church really is to establish worship throughout the mm-hmm. earth. 
and that worship and prayer ascending to Jesus, that's our aim as we go out and do missions. And so for Zindorf, what he does is he kind of creates a model or an ideal of, of what the Lord's calling him to. It's this unending fire on the altar. It's this prayer going up before the Lord day and night. And then what's so interesting is out of this place of prayer and worship, spontaneous missions arises. <laughs> like it's just, it's just what happens. Yeah. And so I, I think it's like they were thinking, okay, we got to establish prayer. We need a place where the fire doesn't go out. And then people start praying and in the place of prayer, they realize that this fire, this revelation of prayer, it, it can't just be in Germany. It can't just be with mm-hmm. Zindorf. This this revelation of the Lord needs to be everywhere. It's mm-hmm. not okay that we only have prayer arising from Germany. It, we need to spread this message to the ends of the earth. Everyone needs to be praying. Everyone needs to be lifting up their voices to the Lord. And so then they go out as missionaries. And I think it's just this beautiful cycle that God designed that as we pray, he gives us his heart and then we go out and share his heart. And what's his heart? Well, that all would know him, that all would worship, that all would pray, that all would seek his face. And so I just, I really see that, that, the, the prayer movement and the worship movement and the, and the missions, it's not, it's not separate. These aren't yeah. separate realities. Like, oh, I go to a prayer meeting and then I go do missions and they're separate things. I really think they're one and the same. I love that. It just gets me excited when I hear the two coming together. And it's like it comes down to just knowing him and being his friend yeah. and then just going where he leads you to go. And I don't know how many others have had the same experience, but growing up as intercessors, like we talked about this a little bit, we generally... Generally, it was the older folks that were the intercessors, hmm. the older ladies in the church often. Bless and them. <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that would stay back at home while we prayed. And the younger ones would, were the ones that would go on missions overseas, not myself included. But, <laughs> but now all of a sudden, both groups are finding themselves doing both. And they're both talking about how they need each other. So why do you think... All of a sudden that these two are becoming one. I mean, there's a story of Zinzendorf, but that was 300 years ago. It was kind of an outlier. It's not something that was common, I don't think, back then or throughout history. It was sort of unprecedented. I'm not saying that word correctly today. (laughs) It's a hard word. It's a hard word. (laughs) There's grace. (laughs) But why do you think all of a sudden God's bringing together? Well, I think first and foremost, Jesus loves unity, right? So, of course, he's going to always, I feel like, People can be really good at certain things, but if everyone's doing that in their separate quarters, we're not doing something right. Mm. So people coming together and doing every part well, right? It's just the picture of the body of Christ. And I think it's not a bad thing to be geared naturally more one way than another. For myself, I would probably balance the scales a bit with you, Johan, because I would definitely be more missions minded. Like I've had to grow myself to stay in the place of prayer, (laughs) where if you're like, hey, Jess, do you want to buy a plane ticket tomorrow? I'm saying, yes, where are we going? Like literally I'll go home and pack. Like it does not take anything for my heart to come alive at the thought of doing missions. The thought of my heart coming alive in the place of prayer is like, okay, Lord, come (laughs) and meet with me. (laughs) But I'm just saying, so to take what you're naturally passionate about, yes and amen. And if you're naturally know that you come alive in intercession and that's your calling go do that fully but never put a box around it as soon as we put box this is what I do and this is what I don't do I don't think that's God's heart because as soon as I only am the person who does missions and I'm right that and I'm not open to other things I think that humility of always letting the Lord grow you probably in areas that yeah you're not expecting like Johan what if the Lord says one day go to India yeah you know but probably the last thing you're like, you are literally have the definition as your title, as you're an intercessory person. Like that's what you do and you do it so well. But 
what if he wants to grow you in a way? Are you actually, is, are we all open to that? So to come back to your original question, just seeing these two coming together, Jesus loves unity and people are going to be geared different ways. He's going to use just your natural abilities, but we're so much stronger when we lean on each other. I'm such a better missionary when I, when I'm first of all, so prayerful in that and don't just go on my own whims. Um, but also when I have this community behind me praying for me, oh, it makes the world of a difference. And when I'm also an intercessor as I'm a missionary, when they're joined together, I mean, you're just, you're so connected to the source. That's what you have to flow out of. So it's, it's just necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you talk about how it's easy for you to jump and go overseas. There is, I still feel like in the church, there's this line of thought that says missions are what gets stuff done. It's easy to get money for a missionary, not all the time, but to send them overseas (laughs) saying, hey, here's thousands of dollars. I want you to go get people into the kingdom. I want you to do the good work sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But when someone says, oh, I feel called to pray and, and stay here and just pray for those missionaries and pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. It's really hard to raise support for that. And the perception is that one gets things done. One isn't really that important. It is like they don't want to admit it. It feels more optional. It feels more optional. <laughs> yeah. So, like if that doesn't happen, we could probably still go. Yeah. But if, yeah, I understand what you're I saying. I mean, there is, there is a shift taking place and it is getting a little bit more balanced where people are seeing the value in both, but it's still there. You can feel it in the church. And even as an intercessory missionary myself and raising support, I know that I have friends and family that don't understand it. They understand missions and they would probably give me money to go overseas, but saying, Hey, I feel called to be an intercessory missionary being here and praying as a lifestyle. It's a lot harder to raise support. So it's there. Definitely. Like, do you guys have any perspective on that? Yeah. I think one of the problems is that we really have a type of microwave Christianity in the West. It's like, you know, we just, we grow up with microwaves and so we're disconnected from the land, from farming, from the seasons of life. We just expect everything to just be instant. I mean, even with our phones, everything's faster, quicker. Right. It's just how we live in our society, but that's not the the way the Lord set up his kingdom and that's not how he runs things. And so a few years back, I was supporting a missionary overseas, both financially and in prayer. And I remember I had this really vivid dream about how they were going to have an abrupt change in their assignment. And it was actually really shocking. And the change seemed like a total 180 for them. So I didn't tell them right away, but instead I covered them in prayer. And I really prayed that the Lord, uh, like his will would be done in their life. And about a week later, I got an update that they were actually making this abrupt change and Mm. it matched my dream exactly. And that was so encouraging for me. And so back to the idea of prayer isn't getting much done. Well, I believe the prayer that I lifted up for that missionary mattered. What if I hadn't been praying? What if I hadn't had that encouragement that God knew their situation? What if they hadn't had that covering? And so I don't want to see a generation that gets fired up about missions only to burn out after one or two years on the field because they didn't have the support or the relationships. And most importantly, the prayer that they needed. To fulfill the Great Commission, we need people dedicated for five or 10 or 20 years of their lives, learning the language, understanding the culture, planting churches in some of the hardest and darkest parts of the globe. And that's not going to be accomplished with a quick microwave version of missions and prayer. We're going to need to have those relationships and have those just even those disciplines of prayer forged deeply so that we can support one another and we can actually go finish the Great Commission. Yeah, like he says, go go to all the world and preach the gospel. But Jesus also says, 
pray that the Lord will send out laborers, right? So there's, there's like the both and, and Jesus loves both and he wants both. Yeah. Jesus loves both and he wants both. So ask him what he wants you to do and go do it. <laughs> That's yeah. Sometimes it feels pretty complicated. And I think you can totally feel misunderstood on both ends. Um, being overseas, like it is, it can be really hard lots of the time and you feel very misunderstood lots of the time. And I feel like when you talk to people here trying to be intercessory missionaries, they feel that too. And so there's just this like, okay, I've got to be more rooted and grounded Then our lives just don't make sense. Whether you're, you know, spending, and even if you're not a full-time intercessory missionary, even if you're someone who just spends tons of time praying, people could look at you and say, that just doesn't make sense. What are you doing? And I think just naturally as humans, we love seeing fruit. We love seeing this is what came of that. And when you don't see that in prayer, it's it's easy to either give up or just think I'm doing something wrong, but you're not. Just just keep going and just keep, if the Lord just keeps saying, keep doing it, then you, you better say yes to him because he knows how to put this all together way better than we do. Like I can maybe think strategically, okay, how could I like really share Jesus well with my family? Okay. Maybe if I'm really stretching it, my workplace, maybe if I'm really, really stretching it, maybe I could get a game plan for my city, but like God knows the world. God literally has the world. in his hands. And so if he's looking and saying, you have to pray and you have to go, like he knows how to orchestrate that so much better. And if he says, wait, everyone stop, pray radically. The spirit's going to do it all. Well, we better be willing to do that. And if he says, stop, I've made every heart so ready. All the people in their prayer closets, get out (laughs) and go tell someone about Jesus because you've prayed for them and now they're ready, right? Like, I just think we have to be in tune with his spirit. That's, That's just the bottom line. We'll always feel these disconnections and the world won't understand and our churches might not understand. But when you're connected to the heart of God, the man mastering and orchestrating the universe, he actually knows how to best do this. And so your role might look unconventional. That's fine. Like God's got you covered. (laughs) I mean, even personally, I probably had a disconnect with missionaries. I didn't understand them when I was in this movement early. Hmm. And it took an encounter from the Lord, like reading the word and him speaking something specifically to my heart. And saying, okay, missions all of a sudden make sense. And I love missionaries. I want to support missionaries. This Mm. is fantastic. Like, what do you think it takes for that perception to change? What can we be doing? What can we be saying in order for people to have that perspective saying, yeah, the two really are one. They need each other. I think, yeah, people who have misconceptions like Jesus changing hearts and minds is always just the best answer, but probably... I think just speaking positively about both, that when someone says, I'm praying for you to actually stop and be like, wow, that means so much to me. Thank you so much. Like having those genuine responses as a missionary, when people are praying for me, okay, classic example, you send out a newsletter asking for financial and prayer support and you get the person who responds and says, I would love to prayerfully (laughs) support you. And to not have that sinking Oh, that's lesser than, right? Yeah. But to have excited responses yeah. to, wait a second, you're you're going to actually pray for me? You're going to partner with God on my behalf. Oh my goodness, let me write you a handwritten thank you card because that is that's so selfless of you, that's so empowering and encouraging to me. That's going to change the nations. That's going to change the world. Thank you for that prayer, right? So I think you can it's as simple as 
I want to continue changing the way I think about it and the way we just talk about prayer in general, because it's not just prayer towards missionaries, right? Or prayer towards the nations. This is just an, in general, like to see the value and the weight of that as not just, yeah, words that go into empty space, but words that go to a throne room to the guy who's running the world. And it's, it's so important. I think I opened up a can of worms. It's probably a long conversation. <laughs> we could probably have a full episode and we probably will have a full episode on how we can change perceptions, but we're coming to the end of the show. So now it's time for Jessica's tips to stay engaged in prayer. Hey guys, this is Jessica with another tip on how to stay engaged in the place of prayer. Today's tip is to journal. It's something that's simple and I can't even explain to you why it's so effective, but there's something about having a pen in your hand and a piece of paper in front of you and writing things out that helps simplify things, bring clarity, bring revelation. It's powerful and you should go try it. It's super fun because I find it narrows my distraction. Sometimes my brain is swirling. My mind can't even get prayers out without it feeling like I'm going in circles. But when I'm taking the time to to write out the words on the paper, I feel like it simplifies, it brings a bit of a calm and a peace to sometimes my mind that feels like a bit of a storm. And another thing that I love, guys, about journaling is that it's an amazing way to do listening prayer. So you can ask your questions to God and then actually just sit and wait for him to answer and listen things and write them down in faith. I've struggled with this. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to write that. It feels too bold or it feels too risky. And then I have to stop and think, oh, who cares? Like, wh- who's going to go back and read this and be like, Jessica, you heard wrong, right? No, it's this is your journal. You can be bold like that. You can say, I think the God of the universe said that to me. Great. Write it down. Take it in faith. There's no better place to kind of try. And if you got to rip the page out or whatever, that's totally fine to be in process in that. But it's a really fun way to ask the Lord a question, write down what he's thinking. He responds and then ask him another one. And you can go back, guys. You can see the way the words God has spoken, the encouragement he's given you, it can be such an encouraging thing to look back on as well. So I encourage you guys this week in the place of prayer, whether that's at home in your room or in a prayer room or at a corporate place, pull out your journal, see if that helps you engage with the Lord at all. And if there's things that he speaks to your heart and then take stewardship of that and write it down because it'll encourage your heart in days to come. So love prayer and love missions. He strategically put the two together. And in the end, he just wants people that are going to be in friendship with him and are going to go after the things of his heart and go where he tells them to go and do what he tells them to do. Just partner with the Lord and what he has called you to do. You can't go wrong when you're walking in obedience with the Lord, the one who knows you best, whether you stay or whether you go. Listen to what I say. So we got a recommended resource. Uh, You heard Cassie at the beginning of the show. She did the introduction. She also wrote a fantastic book on the topic that we've been talking about today. The book is called Going Further Together, Rethinking Your Role and Everybody Else's in the Great Commission. Uh, You'll find links to buy the book on burningrooms.ca, our website. And remember to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter and or just go to our website and you can find us there and the various ways you can join the conversation ask questions we want to be able to have more discussions and more input from our listeners maybe you guys have questions about the prayer movement or about prayer missionaries intercessory missionaries we want to discuss those things and have those 
swirling in our midst for questions that we can discuss. Until next time, I'm Johan. I'm Jehu. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Burning Burning Rooms Rooms Podcast. Podcast.